The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, good morning. Happy Chinese New Year. We got any rats in here? It's the year of the rat. Yeah, some of us. Well, it's good to be with you all. As we enter into the season of Epiphany, let's start with this question this morning. So in life, when you're almost there, it could be a project, it could be work-related, it could be a road trip, how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? All right, so turn to a neighbor, just share. When you're almost there, So how many of us dislike that feeling of being almost there? Okay, some of us. How many of us, we enjoy it, we're almost there, we're good with it, yeah. How many of us are just neutral? It's kind of like, well, whatever, almost there. So I um, was in a bike race a few weeks ago. It was 113 miles. It was uh, a large span of skill sets in terms of riders from professionals uh, to world tour riders. The guy in the pink, Lawson Craddock, uh, raced the Tour de France. He's from Houston, actually. He was in the race. To people who just are in hybrids and the commute, maybe. It was 140 riders. It was a beautiful, awesome, awesome winter day. And so the race started, and the professionals just like, people who do it for a living. The race starts, and they're just for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to stay with the front group. <laughs> 10 miles in, I looked down at my heart rate, 190. <laughs> I was like, I've got 100 miles to go. I need to chill out. <laughs> so I sat up, group of five would pass me, another group of four. And I knew I had a large group of friends behind me. And I was waiting, waiting, and I heard like the sound of their wheels and conversation and laughter. And then 20 of them passed, and they're like, jump on. So I spent the day, it was lovely. The sun was out, and the roads were empty. We were on gravel roads, paved roads, hung up with the cows and chickens. So 100 miles in, we get to Maynard, Texas, and we're almost home. We're so close. We stop at the store, we get some snacks. Uh, we all get tall boys. Everyone starts cracking up in their tall boys. Halfway through my tall boy, I'm sitting there thinking, if I sit any longer, I might not get up. I might just like lie down and call it a day. So I'm like, guys, let's go, let's go. We're so close. Like we're, we're almost there. You know that feeling? David White, the Irish poet, he says that feeling of being almost there. That's what life feels like. This is what he says. 
Close is what we almost always are. Close to happiness, close to another, close to leaving, close to tears, close to God, close to losing faith, close to being done, close to saying something or close to success, and even with the greatest sense of satisfaction, close to giving the whole thing up. Our human essence lies not in arrival, but in being almost, almost there. We are creatures who are on the way. Our journey is a series of impending, anticipated arrivals. And so this morning, I want to propose that that's what epiphany feels like, too. That's why in the season of epiphany, most of us don't go through and like, epiphany, 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 right? Usually it's just like, all right, came and went. And then we'll look back and we'll go, oh, I had an epiphany. Oh, I matured there. Oh, I kind of changed my mind. Oh, I'm, I'm growing. But when we're in it, it just feels like we're almost, almost there. Does that make sense? So there's a framework that I find helpful to understand this. It's helpful to understand the scriptures, to understand my life. And so I'll break down the structure and then we'll get into our text. So theologians say there's three phases. You start with order, which is tribal. It's about structure and rules, morality. Most organized religion actually just stays here. It's the first necessary structure, but it's so you move on to the next stage, which is... Disorder, which involves death and undoing, liminal space. People call this the dark night of the soul. It's where most of our transformation actually happens. God changes us the most when we're in the dark, but we're scared of it. It's kind of scary. Then we have to go through the dark to get to reorder, which the scriptures call salvation, resurrection, and epiphany. And so this morning we're going to be in Isaiah 42, and it kind of follows this structure, and so we'll walk through it. Verse 5, Isaiah says, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. Don't you love that metaphor, that picture? He took the heavens and stretched them out, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. And so Isaiah is kind of bringing us back to Genesis 1, where God's breathing goodness and beauty. And God's still breathing goodness and beauty. God breathed the goodness and beauty into this room this morning, and it looks like you. So I want us just to capture that emotion, like just to feel that a little bit. Okay? So let's try this. Think of the most delicious food you've had recently. Okay. It could be a steak, sushi, chocolate, pizza, taco. I know this is a bad time to talk about this. I apologize. <laughs> All right, picture it. You got it? Picture that. Like the thing that like, oh, like makes you close your eyes, like you start salivating. Okay, I want you to picture it. And then on the count of three, we're going to do a collective, like for three seconds, we're going to go, mmm, so good, okay? So picture, picture it. Imagine putting your mouth, 
Ready, one, two, three. Mmm, so good. All right, well done. Okay. Now think of the most beautiful thing you've seen in creation. Like a baby French bulldog. <laughs> or a waterfall. Or the Grand Canyon. The Pacific Ocean. You got it? So we're in alignment with God in this. Right? When we think of that, we can read Genesis 1 and we're like, oh, I get that emotion. I agree, right? So let's do it together on the count of three. Think of that thing, the most beautiful thing. Baby French Bulldog. Ready? Count of three. One, two, three. Mmm. So good. All right. Now pull out your phone. Go ahead and unlock it. Open your camera. Point it at your face. <laughs> now stare into the lens, look into the lens, and then we're going to take a picture together on the count of three. Everybody ready? One, two, three, boom. Okay, now look, look in your eyes. Look at the picture. Don't look at me. What, what do we think? What do we think? Like a nine, seven. <laughs> no retakes, one shot. <laughs> Now keep looking at the picture. Keep looking. Now, as you look at the picture, think of all the beautiful things in your life. The things that bring you joy, the people that you love, the people that you get love to spend time with, the dreams that you've achieved, all like the wonderful things. Keep looking at yourself. Now think of all the hard things in your life, the things that are disappointing, the mistakes you've made, all of it, the light and the shadows. Now look at your picture. Look at it. And it's hard for us to align with God in this. I really think so. I think that we can't see our own beauty. Other people can see it. God sees it. So we're going to do it on three, but this is going to take great faith. That when God sees all of you, all of you, your light, your shadows, on the count of three, ready? One, two, look at your picture. One, two, three. Mmm, so good. <laughs> so Isaiah brings us back to that goodness, that original beauty that God's breathing forth into this world. He still is. Let's keep going in verse 6. It says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. So your beauty now needs some boundaries, some structure. But it's very young. Look at the language here. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. So we need some original, we need some structure that allows our beauty to flourish. Does that make sense? So this container, this structure, is just where you decide to live, what you decide to study, your degree, your job, whether you're going to partner, who you partner with, whether you're going to have kids, how many kids you have, the life that you have, like the live. But that's actually just the structure. It's not your life. It's just the thing that allows your beauty to flourish. Does that make sense? So I'm teaching, um, I'm guest teaching a preaching class next month. Uh, they call it homiletics, which I like because it sounds like athletics, but it's not. And so I was prepping my class, and I'm going to talk about structure. Because people think my sermons are weird, so they assume I don't have a structure or I have a new structure. But I have the most basic of structures that you open any sermon textbook 
Introduction, three points, conclusion, every time. But the structure doesn't really matter. It's just to hold the thing for the beauty to flourish. Does that make sense? So the example I'm going to use is how many of us uh, like the show Rested Development? Okay. Maybe one of the more innovative comedies in the last couple decades, right? So people assume they invented a new structure, but Mitch Hurwitz, who created it, he cut his teeth on the show Golden Girls. Look at them, so lovely. <laughs> and he says the two shows have the exact, exact same comedic structure. The only thing that's different is tone. So the structure of our lives is just to hold and allow our beauty to flourish. So in the scriptures, it's Moses in a basket floating him to a palace. It's Jesus in a manger that takes him to Nazareth. We know so little about Jesus' first 30 years, right? He did like wood stuff. That's it. It's the woman born in Samaria. John the Baptist's fashion choices. <laughs> Abram and Job's success and wealth. Esther's royalty. It's just the structure. And Richard Rohr says this, this first order where we all begin is the necessary first containment. But the structure is dangerous if we stay there too long. It is too small and self-serving. It must be deconstructed by the trials and uh, vagaries of life, the cross, or disorder. Initial order doesn't really know the full picture, but it thinks it does. And we stay there because the next stage is kind of scary. It really is. Verse 7. It says, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. So you know what Isaiah is saying? You want to find where God is in your life? It's in the parts of you that are blind, that are imprisoned, that are stuck in darkness. God says, that's where I am. I am the Lord. And this is where the crux of our faith happens, in this space. It's the engine of our transformation. It's the pathway to epiphany. And we spend our whole lives running from it. We're like, ah! I grew up in a Protestant tradition. Because this is Christ on a cross. It's one symbol. It doesn't even need words. That's how powerful this is. And I grew up in a tradition where like, yeah, it's nice. But it seems kind of negative. Right? He's like dead. So let's, you know, let's take him off the cross. He's like kind of hot and ripped, but you know, let's just take him off and put him around our neck. And then we believed if we just did enough good things, bad things wouldn't happen to us. God's going to give us crowns in heaven. And it became a morality competition. And then we proceeded to take God's name in vain. And Isaiah says, that's actually idolatry. That's not God. And so maybe a question we can ask here this morning is this. What part of our life feels like we're walking in the dark, like we've lost control? Like we don't really know the next step. We're just kind of like blindfolded, just trying to... Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our vocation. Maybe it's health. What part of our life do we feel stuck in? 
like we're in prison. Like we don't even know how we got there. There's a lot of regret. Oh, if I just didn't. Oh, if I would have. And what if this morning our blindness, our darkness, our stuckness is an important part of epiphany? David White says this. says half, half of all human experience is mediated through loss and disappearance. Half. This is one of the reasons why we won't have the conversation of life. We run from it. We avoid it. So I have a creative crush right now. His name is Andy Goldsworthy. Anyone know this artist? He's a British artist, and he works with light and nature. He doesn't use this language, but he's showing that actually in nature there's order, disorder, reorder, and he kind of makes these sculptures. So I'm going to show you a clip that kind of shows his art, and then the second clip talks specifically about the disorder of our lives. So check it out. Growth. Time change and the idea of flow in nature. When I make a work, I often take it to the very edge of its collapse. And that's a very beautiful balance. understand that state and that energy that I have in me that I also feel in the plants and in the land. Energy in life that, that is running through the flowing through the landscape. came in and the cone just disappeared and then was gone but it was still there a work that I'd only just finished making so my my contact with the stone was still very very strong so I was with it down there but I still couldn't see it What I have touched on this, this, this time is that I haven't simply made the piece to be destroyed by the sea. It is, it, they, the, the work has been given to the sea as a gift, 
and the sea has taken the work and made more of it than I could have ever hoped or for. And I think that if I can see in, in that ways of understanding those things that happen to us in life, that changes our lives, that causes upheavals and shock, I can't explain that. says the things in our lives that causes upheaval and shock can't explain it and this beautiful structure that he made he said he gave it as a gift to the sea and the sea made more of it than he could have hoped for and friends this morning will we take the structure of our lives the things that we've worked so hard on our work our family everything that we have and give it as a gift to god trusting that he can make more of it than we ever ever hoped for is that possible and what if this morning the parts of our lives that feel like they're underwater maybe we're close to epiphany so in the scriptures this is moses red sea it's Sarai's barrenness, Saul's blindness, Jacob's limp, Paul's thorn. It's Christ on a cross. It's one symbol that speaks to the deepest human transformational experience. Look at this icon. Timeless. Doesn't even need words. There was one night this past year, I was actually staring at this icon. And I had a rough year personally last year, and I remember staring at the icon and thinking, oh, I didn't know you had to live this. I thought you could just believe in it and talk about it. One symbol. Julian Norwich says, first the fall, then the recovery from the fall. Both, both are the mercy of God. So why don't we do this? I want to take you through a guided meditation before we go through the last parts of the text. So if you want to just find your center in your seats, get to a comfortable space. Take a deep breath in and breathe out. Take a deep breath in, breathe out. Now think of the part of your life that's in darkness or you're stuck. If you want, you can Close your eyes, you can keep them open. You can open your palms up if you want. If you like. And hear these words from Rilke. Quiet friend who has come so far, feel how your breathing makes more space around you. Take another deep breath in. Breathe out. 
Let this darkness be a bell tower and you the bell. As you ring, what batters you becomes your strength. Move back and forth into the change. What is it like, such intensity of pain? If the drink is bitter, turn yourself to wine. In this uncontainable night, be the mystery at the crossroad of your senses, the meaning discovered there. And if the world has ceased to hear you, say to the silent earth, I flow. To the rushing water, speak, I am. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So death and darkness and disorder, you have to go through there to get back to reorder. There's no way around it. So Isaiah says this, see the former things have come to pass. When you survived the thing you didn't think you could survive, when you lived through the thing you're still standing, it's come to pass now. God says, new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That through your darkness and despair and your imprisonment, that's where the new things come from. That's where new life comes from. Do we believe that there's newness waiting for us, ready to birth in us? Do we believe that? Our original beauty is it still blossoming? Is it done? Is it still flowering, growing? How might your original beauty continue to spring forth? So pull out your picture one more time. So this is you here now in 2020. Can you see a glimpse of your beauty a little bit, your essence? Can, can we see a little bit of what God sees? Now, what's that beauty gonna look like in 2025? Is it still blossoming? 2030, 2035, 2040? David White says this, sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn that anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. It's too small. So Jay-Z's last album um, was an Enneagram album. It's called 444. <laughs> that joke's for me. I, <laughs> sometimes you put a joke in just for yourself. But he has a song on the album called Smile, and it's about his mom. And his mom, in 2018, so very recently, came out to him for the first time. And she says, son, I'm gay, and I've fallen in love. And they both cried together. And he says, mom, I want to write a song about it. And she's like, no, I don't want you to write a song about it. You're Jay-Z. The whole world will know. Right? <laughs> and then she came around. She said, okay, you can write a song, but you have to put my poem in it. You want to hear a poem? Yeah. So I'm going to read one of the verses from the, his song, and then I'll let you hear her read her own poem. He said, Mama had four kids, but she's a lesbian. 
Had to pretend so long that she's a thespian. Had to hide in the closet so she medicate. Society in shame and the pain was too much to take. Cried tears of joy when you fell in love. Don't matter to me if it's a him or a her. Living in the shadow, can you imagine what kind of life it is to live? In the shadows, people see you as happy and free because that's what you want them to see. Living two lives, happy but not free. You live in the shadows for fear of someone hurting your family or the person you love. The world is changing and it's time to be free. But you live with the fear of just being me. Living in this shadow feels like the safe place to be. No harm for them, no harm for me. But life is short and it's time to be free. Love who you love because life isn't guaranteed. Smile. And she continued to blossom into herself in her 70s. In her 70s. And so, Ecclesia, this morning, will we trust our lives with God as a gift and continue to blossom into the beauty that he's always seen, always, always. And maybe one day we'll align and we'll go, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm, mm, so good. And I'll close with the rest of the poem from David White. Close is what we almost always are, close to happiness, close to another, close to leaving, close to tears, close to God, close to losing faith, close to being done, close to saying something or close to success, and even with the greatest sense of satisfaction, close to giving the whole thing up. Our human essence lies not in arrival, but in being almost there. We are creatures who are on the way, our journey is a series of impending, anticipated arrivals. Human beings do not find their essence through fulfillment or eventual arrival, but by staying close to the way they like to travel, to the way they hold a conversation between the ground on which they stand and the horizon to which they go. We are, in effect, always close, always close to the ultimate secret, that we are more real in our simple wish to find a way than any destination we could reach. The step between not understanding that and understanding that is as close as we get to epiphany. We pray this in the creation of the Father, the crucifixion of the Son, and the resurrection of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.